Welcome back to another episode of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. If this is your first time checking out the podcast, thank you for showing up. This is the 100th episode of Independent Thought. Uh, so an important day for me, and I want to just take a minute to do a little bit of something different with this episode than I would normally do. This episode is centered on, well, me and the podcast because it's our 100th episode. Hello, Independent Thought. Here we are. If you are not already, please go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Independent Thought. That's the best place to keep up with me and the podcast. Make sure you check out our stories. That's where I do most of the posting. So I want to do a little bit of a, a recap of what's gone on for the first 100 episodes of Independent Thought. That's kind of the focus that we're going to be going on for this I had planned on doing some more episodes around the court, given what happened with Roe v. Wade being overturned. And then when I, I kind of forgot that was coming up on my 100th episode here. So I kind of pivoted and decided to do something a little more focus on just the podcast versus the news at large. So this also pairs along with the idea that I've had several people recently ask me, what are my favorite episodes of the podcast? I've been asked this question at least like four times in the last week. And I truthfully didn't know what my favorite episodes of the podcast were. I still don't know if I know, but for the sake of this episode, I decided to bring you the episodes that have high significance for me. Not that I'm really playing favorites right now or saying this episodes are better than other episodes, but just maybe the ones that stand out to me the most after recording them. So I'm going to go through seven different episodes in particular that have high significance for me. I'm going to talk about what happened to those episodes and why they matter so much to me. So it's gonna be a little more of a personal journey. So if you are interested in that type of an episode, you're in the right place, learn more about me, the podcast, we're gonna just dive right into it. So the first episode that I wanna highlight, going back, looking through some of the times that I really felt like I was having a, a moment about something that felt very important to cover on Independent Thought, the first one that comes to my mind is going back to season three, when I covered the aftermath of the 2020 election. This episode came out in December of 2020. And I just want to highlight a few different things about this episode. First of all, it was the first thing that I had released since the election had happened. I ended my second season like a few days before the 2020 election. And then I took like a six week, seven week break. So I didn't put out any content during the whole election fiasco of Donald Trump going stop the steal and you know all the madness that took place afterwards. So I came back and I decided to talk about what happened after the election took place. I mean because it, it was absolutely incredible to me. And to kind of sum this up, I kind of broke down in the episode the reasons why Donald Trump's, you know, the accusations of election fraud were complete bullshit. Here's case in point. So one of the things that's important to know about the 2020 election, and I think this is important to know going forward, because we're going to be talking about this again. We're going to be talking about this very shortly, I think, here, because I strongly believe 
that Donald Trump will in fact run for president again in 2024. And it would not surprise me if he announces before this year is over. And when he does, he will be relentlessly talking about how he still claims the 2020 election was stolen. So I think it's important for everyone to know exactly why that's bullshit and to be able to know exactly how to counter it. If you're having one of these conversations with relatives who do believe everything that Trump says. Anyway, one of the important things to know about the 2020 election was that Trump claimed that he had won the election. He declared it on the night of the election. And that was because in all of the key states, he was winning at the end of election day. And so in the subsequent days afterwards, when Biden started making a comeback, he was claiming that the votes were coming out of nowhere and that that was proof that there was fraud, this, that, and the third. Let me tell you about why that wasn't the case. So as I've told people before on the show, one of my news sources is, you know, what at the time was a show called Rising, uh, Crystal, uh, Crystal Ball, Sagar, and Jetty. I also now watch them on Breaking Points. I know some people have their feelings about them. I like them. If you have issues, let's talk about it. DM me about it. One of the things that they talked about was how each individual state has their own different ways of running an election, which is why you were going to see different things on different well, you were going to see different outcomes from different states on election day. In case in point, there were certain states like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, who their state legislatures had passed a law saying that you could not process any mail-in ballots until the day of the election. Meanwhile, other states like Florida, for instance, one of the rare times Florida actually has a W here, they said that you could start processing mail-in ballots when they were received. And so Florida, for instance, started receiving mail-in ballots. I believe it was either October 15th, 16th, 17th, somewhere around that area. That's when you could start receiving mail-in ballots in the state of Florida. So they had been processing their mail-in ballots for a couple of weeks, which is why they were able to actually have all their election results ready on election day. On election day, all the votes were counted and all the tabulations were done. At the end of the day, on election day, you saw everything Florida had to offer. This was also true in states like Texas and Iowa, Ohio, Kentucky. All these states allowed themselves to count their mail-in ballots way in advance. And also at the same time, they also counted them first. And so if you were watching the coverage on election day, states like Texas, Kentucky, Iowa, Ohio, Florida, they all had what was called a blue mirage, where all those states were blue for some of them for over an hour, sometimes over two hours. And then after they counted all the mail-in ballots, then they counted the day of ballots, which is why all of those states that I just referenced all ended up being red going for Donald Trump at the end of the day. Meanwhile, the other states I mentioned, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, including Arizona, Georgia, and Nevada, they all had the opposite effect. They had a red mirage which was those states counted their day of votes first. So which is why at the end of election day, you had all of those states being read for Donald Trump because they all chose to count their mail-in ballots after they counted their day of voting ballots. Now, the fact that these states had all structured their counting differently may not have been well known to most people, but people who are following politics knew this. In fact, the people that I mentioned before, Crystal and Sagar, they were referencing this 
in August of 2020 because it was public information. And so the fact that Trump declared victory on election night, knowing that these key swing states had not finished counting their mail-in ballots was absolute bullshit. And he knew it. And he absolutely knew it. He knew that there'd be more mail-in ballots coming and he knew that they would be going for Biden. How did he know this? Well, let's talk about how that election ended up turning out for those who might have blocked out of your mind already. Donald Trump spent almost all of that year, and let's be fair, even before that year, talking about how corrupt, how fraudulent, and how only bad things happen when you use mail-in ballots. If you remember correctly, he was constantly bashing them over and over and over and over. So much so that he convinced most of his own people that they shouldn't vote for they shouldn't vote via mail-in ballots, that they only should vote like in person. Now, when you go ahead and politicize a voting method to the range that he did, it's no wonder that when the mail-in ballots were coming in, that they were coming in sometimes 70, 75, 80, 85% for Biden. It makes perfect sense because you convinced all of your people not to vote in them. So as they were coming in, and obviously also people who were voting Democrat were more concerned with the pandemic than people who were voting Republican. We just happen to know that to be true. It's no wonder that the mail-in ballots were overwhelmingly for Biden, especially in these bigger cities. Big cities never vote for Republicans. Everyone knows that. So when you combine how the votes were being, were being counted and how you politicized it, Trump knew ahead of time that it would play out this way. He might not have known that Biden would overtake him in all those states, but he knew that the mail-in ballots would come in for, for Biden, you know, like disproportionately, and he knew they were going to be counted after the day of voting. So to pretend like these votes were coming out of nowhere is complete bullshit. He knew that. He went along and kept yelling fraud anyway. The only fraud that was really taking place during that entire thing was Donald Trump himself constantly pretending like he didn't know what was happening. That was the real fraud. Why does this matter? It matters because, as I was saying earlier, I think Donald Trump is going to run again. I think he's going to run again for president. I am almost 100% positive that he will run again. It would be mind-boggling to not see him run. The question really is, is Ron DeSantis going to run against him? That's the question that we're all kind of waiting to see, unfortunately. But whatever the case may be, I think it's very important for everyone to know what exactly took place in the 2020 election. And if you want more information about that, please go back and check out that episode. Kind of moving on to another episode that I think is very important was I covered in the first week of February in 2021, I covered a topic about Neuralink. Now, for those of you who already follow me on Instagram, you probably heard me like post about this episode like time and time and time again. This is one that just freaks me out. There's no getting around it. It freaks me out. And I and if it ends up being true what this technology can do, I would hope that it would freak more people out because we really need to talk about the implications of what not just this company is claiming that they want to be able to do or they will be able to do, but all the other companies who will be putting out technology like this. This is this is kind of this. Okay, let's just talk about it. So Neuralink, one of the many companies hosted by, well, hosted, owned by Elon Musk. And now 
you might have a hard time believing what I'm going to be telling you. Cause like, Oh, Elon just, you know, says random, you know, like crazy things all the time, but let's talk about it a little bit first before you make up your mind. Neuralink is supposed to be a brain like uh, chip that a, a chip that gets inserted into your brain. That's supposed to have several different functions. He wants to implement it in two stages. He claimed that the first iteration of Neuralink will be able to do different things like counteract seizures, maybe help people who are paraplegic uh, have better use, well, actually be able to undo that. Uh, also being, help being able to help with paralysis and maybe in some cases he thinks might be able to reverse paralysis altogether, maybe able to reverse certain, like, uh, certain levels of blindness. Now, I'm not sure just how this technology would in fact work. And again, you know, I know that people have skepticisms about the things that Elon claims he can be able to do, but this is what he claims the technology is supposed to be able to do. Neuralink is what is being referred to as a brain machine interface. And for those who are interested in knowing more about this, I will say that Neuralink is something that you should definitely research. And that this is not the only person, Elon Musk, who is creating these brain machine interfaces. But the first thing that I mentioned here isn't really what's worth like writing home about as far as dangerous is concerned, because counteracting seizures, uh, reversing paralysis, those are great things. Like who would be mad about things like that? What I'm more interested in, what I am more cautious of is the second part of it. Because the second iteration of Neuralink is where things get a little futuristic and a little kind of off the rails in my opinion. So first and foremost, he claims that the second iteration of Neuralink, well, you'll be able to do things like doubt and for download information directly into your mind. Think for those of you who have seen the movie, The Matrix, where Neo is able to download these different fighting styles directly into his brain, think that legitimately. And also you'd be able to download music directly into your head. You'd be able to download movies into your head. You'd be able to communicate with people via inner via via Neuralink because you would be connected to the internet at all times. So you could just basically text somebody in your head. He said that at the end of the process, you we would actually be able to eliminate speech in the sense of how we speak now, and we could only have to communicate through our minds via the internet if we so chose to. But the most detrimental part about all of this is not only the fact that your brain would be hardwired into the internet, not hardwired, but you know that you'd be connected to the internet at all times, but that one of the things that he would like to do, and that he claims he'll be able to do, is that you'd be able to download your memories into the cloud. Now, he, when he was talking about this, he was saying that the goal of this is that maybe some people have traumatic memories or traumatic things that have happened to them in their lives, and if they want to, they can take those memories out of their mind. And in some cases, he was saying that you can take the memories out of your mind and that you can edit them and then put them back in. Now, I have no idea if any of that is true, but let's just go out on a limb and say that he, that he is able to find out how to do something like that. The applications for a technology like that are just absolutely mind-bogglingly terrible to me. You know, just let me just take a, a quick point or reference here. Uh, what if somebody else could hack into your mind and rewrite one of your memories without you ever knowing about it? Or on top of that fact, given the Patriot Act, for instance, which for those of you who are unfamiliar with the Patriot Act, which I would hope that no one is, 
But the Patriot Act basically gives broad access to the to the U.S. government so that they could, without a warrant or any reason whatsoever, they can access anyone's online communications, anything, anything that you can think of. So which would give the U.S. government access to everyone's mind who has a Neuralink attachment to them. The levels of breaches of privacy that could come from a technology like this seem absolutely overwhelming. And the fact that not just Elon Musk, who a lot of people are skeptical of, but the fact that so many other different companies are also working on these brain machine interfaces, it's something that I think deserves pause, lots of pause, lots of investigation, and lots of talking about. Because if this technology really isn't that far away, like he and other people claim that it is, then we need to be talking about the, the potential uh, abuses that can come with it sooner rather than later, because it sounds like this will be the next level of human advancements if this is all true. And it's something that we should probably be ready for versus sneaking up on us for how much it could truthfully change the fabric of our entire world. But that is something that, again, if you want to know more about that, definitely go back and check out that episode. The last thing that I want to mention here before we go on our quick break, this one is something that I've been trying to go back to again and again, especially recently. So in May of last year in 2021, I put an episode called Knowing When to Rest. So let me just start off with why this is important for obvious reasons. When you engage in the news as often as I do, and as I'm sure people who listen to this show do, it has terrible effects on not just on your mind, but on your body, on your psyche, on your spirit. Like I, as somebody who comes and does this podcast, I need to take breaks. I just need to take breaks. Like engulfing the news at this rate, at this clip to stay informed in order to have the appropriate levels of opinions in order to bring the news to other people that requires being engaged in so many negative topics all the times it could drive you into the ground. And I think last year when I was first putting, you know, like all this stuff together and trying to really, really ramp up independent thought, I was doing this stuff like seven days a week, nonstop, like all day, every day, all I cared about was making sure that this podcast was working efficiently and that I was getting more intelligence and that I was learning more about each subject and that I was figuring out how to make this a better show, so on and so forth. And I felt like I was kind of just getting run down. And I thought about quitting a few times. I was like, maybe I can't handle this. And so I kind of made this episode almost like as a, a message to myself that you have to remember when it's important to rest. And in this episode, I went into the physiological like effects that chronic stress can have on your body you know, about how it can increase anxiety, raise blood pressure. Uh, you can lose muscle mass, lose bone density. It can actually shrink your prefrontal cortex, your ability to concentrate, your ability to make good executive judgments, you know, just all kinds of things that, you know, might be attributed nowadays to people just being on edge. You know, these, these are all things that can come from chronic stress from when you're having overloads of the stress hormone cortisol, just constantly just like smashing your brain over and over and over again to too high of rates, especially when you're also pairing that with not getting enough sleep, which sleep deprivation is something that 
tens of millions of Americans deal with on a weekly basis, just not getting enough sleep, which is, you know, understandable given that the, the capitalist society that we live in, which everyone seems to value productivity more than their health, which that's probably a conversation that can go into another episode. But, you know, this is something that can affect the size of your brain, the size of your, the shape of your brain, your brain's chemistry, Uh, you know, the overall negative effects of stress on your mind, on your body, this really was something that not even in that full episode was I able to truly give a full breath to, but if you're interested in some of the no more of the, the chemical, uh, neurochemical, like biological reactions that our bodies have with stress and with lack of sleep, I really encourage everyone to go check out this episode because this is something that I think everyone needs to prioritize, not only just in general, but especially if you're like me and you're constantly engaging with the news, you have to take time away from it. Like as much as I want to be the best version of me so that I can put out great political content all the time on social media and through this podcast, I realized over the last like couple of over the last year plus that knowing when to rest really is important because if I'm going to do this for the long term, I have to build in breaks to avoid burnout. That's something that I've learned. I hope that other people you know, if they're feeling that they might be a little on the edge that they will kind of give themselves a little bit of grace as well and allow themselves to rest. And we're going to allow this episode of rest very temporarily. We'll take a break. And when we come back, we will have a few more episodes to talk about that have happened over the first 100 episodes of Independent Thought. We'll be right back. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage inspired clothing, shoes and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at Betty'sDivine.com. thought listeners has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side well then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode bathing beauties beads is a full service bead shop in the heart of downtown missoula whether it's seed beads semi-precious stones vintage beads or just materials to make a project they have something for every person and every price range not from missoula don't worry they have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. (music) 
Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through this episode of Independent Thoughts. If you've been liking this episode so far, or if you've liked the podcast over the last however long you've been listening, maybe you're a newer listener, maybe you've been around for a while, please go ahead and share us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, wherever you spend your free time, tag Independent Thoughts. It helps the podcast grow. Thank you so much. So let's kind of like go a little bit quicker with these next few episodes. These last few are going to be from my fourth season. Uh, the first three were all from season three. These are all going to be from season four. The most important episode that I did in season four and possibly in the podcast overall is the first episode I did in season four. This came out in July. I think it was July 19th of last year. It was covering the Boy Scouts of America and the over 80,000, 80,000 cases of sexual assaults against that were that have were claimed against uh, the organization. When I first came across that story, I was doing what I do a lot when it comes to looking for stories for this podcast, which was just kind of scrolling through the news sections of different social media sites. And I was on Twitter. I was in the news section. I was at the very bottom, like the very bottom article in Twitter news was a Bloomberg article saying that the Boy Scouts of America were getting ready to settle for $850 million for claimants that had claimed to be either sexually assaulted or raped uh, while spending time with the Boy Scouts of America, and that it was the largest case of sexual assault for children in United States history. And my whole face just went white listening to that and reading that rather. And I could not for the life of me understand about how the largest like sexual assault case in US history somehow was at the bottom of the news section and how I had never heard about this before. And upon like the absolute shock that I had in that moment, going through and investigating it and realizing that it had been covered several times over the last decade, but for some reason, most people didn't even know about it or they didn't take it seriously or no one was talking about it. It, it just blew my mind. The, the fact that something like to that level just did not get anywhere near the coverage that it deserved blew my mind. To kind of give a very quick take on it, going all the way back to the 1940s, and then as recently as 2019, from what I remember, there were just tens of thousands of reports. And these are reports of people who actually came out. Who actually knows how many people were actually assaulted, actually raped? But there were tens of thousands of people who came out and just claimed that they were assaulted during their time with the Boy Scouts of America. And not only the Boy Scouts of America know about it, but they did everything they humanly good could to cover it up. And they covered it up for decades at a time. And so they knowingly let thousands of abusers go without so much of alerting the police in any, any type of way. They just try to completely sweep it underneath the rug. It, it's absolutely mind boggling to me that they, this organization not only still exists, but they still have over a million young boys who are enrolled into this organization. Now they claimed in the last couple of years that they're doing more to combat the issues that they've had in the past, 
But let me ask you this. In an era of cancel culture, in an era where we've seen Harvey Weinstein go to jail and Larry Nassar go to jail, and we've seen we've seen R. Kelly just go to jail and Giselle Maxwell go to jail. Can someone please explain to me how an organization that allowed over 80,000 children to be assaulted on their watch, not only has no one gone to jail, but the organization still exists. Not only does it still exist, it still has children that they look after on a daily basis. Can anyone justify that? Can anyone make sense of that? If this is your first time hearing about all this, please go back, check out that episode. I cannot get over how important of a story that this is. I also want to take a quick moment to thank uh, Drew Turner, who came onto the podcast. He reached out to me after he saw me post about this on Twitter, and he came on it and did a, a special interview with me that we posted on YouTube about his particular time where he was in the Boy Scouts and he was also assaulted. He was one of the 80,000 people who filed the claim against the Boy Scouts of America. Uh, Real people's lives were destroyed by this. And the fact that the Boy Scouts still exist is beyond disgusting. And I hope that more people can truthfully like know about this and hopefully one day bring the organization to the ground because it's what it deserves. Also, I said that we were talking about seven episodes. I kind of slightly fudged that the next topic I want to talk about is not just one episode in particular, but rather three episodes that kind of all fall into the same category. I have spent a lot of time talking about workers and workers' rights over the last, you know, like year plus. So in season four, and actually let's throw in another episode. Uh, so four total here, uh, three from season four, one from season five. Uh, the episodes are Boycotting Oreos, Striketober, New York City Medallions, and One Day Longer, One Day Stronger. Uh, the Boycotting Oreos episode is talking about the Nabisco workers who went on strike last summer. Uh, Striketober, all of the different, uh, the different workers who were either went on strike or were, I mean, just trying to unionize this was going on back in October where they just felt like the whole country was seeing this, this crazy wave of people going on strike. And also the New York city medallions. These were people, taxi drivers, mostly all immigrants who were being plunged into massive amounts of debt, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt due to the New York city government deciding to change how taxi drivers acquired their licenses, which they refer to as medallions, and plunging these people into basically an insurmountable amount of debt that was, that was killing them. Literally, there was a man who was a taxi driver who took his own life because he could not keep up with the level of debt that he was, uh, that he was encountering because of how the city had changed the structure of how these taxi drivers would get these licenses, what they would cost. And they did all of this because they were trying to, I guess, find another way to balance out their budget. It's, it's such a gross story. Like, please go check it out. Those taxi drivers went on a hunger strike in front of city hall last year and Bill de Blasio drug his feet before he actually did anything to help these people. And last but not least, you know, one day longer, one day stronger. We just had uh, come on to the show, uh, Braxton and Hayden Wright. They are both leading the charge for these coal miners down in Alabama 
who have been on strike for over a year now, not even trying to get anything overly significant, just trying to get the pay that they had back in 2016 and the health benefits they had back in 2016. They had a company come in, buy their old company, come in, slash everyone's pay, slash their benefits. They're just on strike trying to get back their old pay and their old benefits. It, it's all it's all gross. But the way that these four episodes tie into each other is that right now we are seeing, you know, coming, you know, like off the height of a pandemic, like people are absolutely worn out. Inflation's now killing everyone. And that's, again, I just did an episode on that. So I'm not going to reiterate why inflation is so high right now, but Man, workers in this country are just run the fuck down. They are run down. They're not being treated well. And these are all stories about workers who are trying to fight for themselves, who are trying to fight back, who are trying to call out the fact that we are living in a system that does not give workers the dignity that they deserve. They're not getting it. They're just not getting it. They're not being paid enough. They're not being given adequate time off. They're not being treated fairly when they're at work. I mean, this is all crazy. I mean, in fact, the, one of the stories coming out of the Nabisco episode was a guy who got like electrocuted on the job and he had to take time off because of having damage done to his body from being electrocuted. And they like refused to pay for any of his hospital bills, even though he got electrocuted on the job. And they ended up firing him because he couldn't come back to work because he was injured from an injury he got on the job. Like it's just people are getting absolutely shit on. And, and I always hate the, the critique that comes from this. And it always comes from the right. I hate to be partisan about this, but let's be fucking fair about it. Where people say things like, oh, well, if you don't like your job, go get a better one. Those are jobs for high schoolers. These are jobs for people coming out of college. Like these are like, these are unskilled jobs. Go get yourself a better job. Here's a fun fact for everyone who brings up that bullshit argument. There aren't enough good, quote unquote, good jobs in America for everyone to have them. I'm sorry. That's not how this economy is structured. There's always going to be these types of jobs, these factory jobs, these manufacturers jobs, these, these working class jobs that you know, people aren't going to be paid as much. That's just the nature of this economy. Like people want things like Doritos, but you know, somebody has to go and make the Doritos and bag them. And there has to be truck, there has to be truck drivers to drive them to places. Like there aren't enough college kids out there and people <laughs> for people to have these jobs are like, Oh, well, you know, those are just, those are just low skilled jobs. Just go, go get those low skilled jobs. There, there aren't enough of these higher skilled jobs out there. There just really isn't. And the fact of the matter is, is that if you have one of these jobs, you should be entitled to good pay and decent wages and flat out just fucking dignity, man. These people deserve to be treated fairly, to be treated effectively, to be treated like basically what they are, essential. We spent so much time at the beginning of the pandemic talking about essential workers, and it felt like they were given the respect they deserved for about two months and then it was over, right? It, it just, it's, it's sickening to me. And so as time has gone on, if you already follow me on Instagram, you see me constantly talking about, you know, like what's going on right now with the unionization efforts of Starbucks and of Amazon. I am feeling a sense of pride that people are standing up for themselves because regardless of what your job is, 
you deserve to be paid well and you deserve respect. And the fact that there are so many companies out there who are trying to you know, keep taking more pay from you and giving you less time with your family and giving you less respect on the job, it's disgusting to me. It needs to change. And I'm glad to talk about it because if nothing else, these are the stories that I'm supposed to be telling. As a podcaster talking about politics, these are the stories that give me life. Like these are the types of people that I want to cover and I want to talk about their stories because at the end of the day, you know, for too long, this country has operated off of just like pressing people into the dirt, you know, like forcing them to accept jobs that they don't want to accept, but they have to, because we're all living in a cycle of debt. And it's about time that we all collectively stand up together and fight back against the system. But lastly, lastly, the last episode that I want to talk about uh, before we kind of go into closing here is should you vote blue in 2022? This was my first episode of season five. Basically, one of the things that I wanted to talk about with this episode was that you know, promises were in fact broken by the Biden administration. Now, I've had several people tell me since I dropped this episode that episodes like this are not helpful because they say bad things about the Democratic Party in a time where we're trying to fight back against the fascism of the right. Now, let me let me just, let me just say this. The G, if, I am the kind of person to where first I should probably say this much. People keep asking me over and over again, like, why do I call my podcast independent thought when I'm obviously not an independent? Because right now, independent in the sense of politics is referred to as like a centrist. And I'm not a centrist. Obviously, for anyone who listens to my podcast knows my political feelings, I'm not a centrist. Um, I'm almost exclusively on the left and on almost every single issue. I call myself independent thought because I feel as though I'm not beholden to any political party. I don't feel loyalty to any political party. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I don't believe in backing a party for the sake of backing a party. I don't believe in playing that whole red team, blue team nonsense. I believe in calling out nonsense wherever it's seen. The Biden administration came into office and said they were going to do a bunch of things. They also said before getting to office what their plan was for America. Biden laid out a plan of what he wanted to do. Now, I went through in that episode and I checked off numerous things that Biden said that he was going to do and all the things that he hadn't done and all the things that he hadn't even mentioned. Like, for instance, the public option, which he talked about again and again and again and again on the campaign trail. I know because I watched every single primary debate, all 10 of them, leading up to, the, leading up to Biden closing out the nomination. I watched a litany of interviews when there were back when there was like 24 candidates. I watched the special like climate uh, change like uh, debates that were held by the Sunrise Movement. You know, I, I watched it all. So I, I saw what Biden said he was going to do for the country and he's just not doing it. And I believe in holding people accountable. I don't care what the party you represent is. And so I know that there are some people out there right now that are seeing what the court is doing and seeing what the GOP is trying to do and how they're pushing, how, how after the Supreme Court overruled Roe, 
talking about how the GOP's next move, once they take the majority, is to, they should push for a nationwide ban of abortion. I'm not ignorant to that. But at the end of the day, I still think it's very important to understand when our politicians are telling us they're going to do something and they don't do it. And I know there's a distinct difference between, you know, like saying like, oh, well, he can't just snap his fingers and do everything he wants to do. Think about mansion, think about cinema, think about the Republicans, the parliamentarian. No, 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 no. I'm not a child and I'm not going to try to treat everyone else like one either. This is not about some like long wish list. This is about two things in particular. One, being accountable for what you say you're going to do. And two, did you use the power that you do have? Did you at least try to use the power you do have to fight for the things that you claim to care about? If you're not doing that, then the criticism is valid. The end. The Republicans, in my opinion, will always be worse, but that cannot be a goddamn excuse for not doing the things that you said you were going to do, and especially for not doing the things that you said you were going to do that you have absolute control over. We're going to take one final break, and we'll be back to wrap up this episode. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through this episode and this final break. If you are not already, please go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Independent Thought. And if you've been liking this episode so far, please go ahead and share it on social media and tag Independent Thoughts. Quick notes. I just want to mention one more episode in very quick fashion. Uh, Season four, episode 27, Crisis in Afghanistan. That episode covers how sanctions that we have levied on Afghanistan have absolutely crippled that country and the impacts that it's having on the people in that country. Uh, people are starving, people are dying, people are being, like children are being sold. This is something that seems not just barbaric, but seems out of place when you think about the year 2022. For all the issues that we are having here in America, it feels like we're talking about a different era when we look at what's happening in Afghanistan. A lot of what's happening in that country is a direct result of sanctions that we've imposed. I understand that the Taliban is currently in control of that government, uh, but the conversations are not as quite as simple as people might want it to be. Uh, please go check out that episode. There's also a call to action in the episode description for where people can donate uh, if they have the ability to send some money to the people of Afghanistan who are, so I just, I won't even sugarcoat it, who are people who are dying. They are dying. And a lot of that is kind of falling on the hands of our governments. So in closing, I just want to say, you know, I briefly talked about 10 episodes just now. These are, I'm not going to say that they're any more like special than other episodes that I've done or that these stories are more important than other stories, but you know, these are the ones that are resonating with me the most right now. And when, I, when it comes for me and this podcast, you know, I started this podcast as a way to talk just out into the void to anyone who wanted to hear what I had to say. I had no idea how many people that would be 
or who would be interested or who would care. <laughs> to be frank, I still don't know how many people that is. I mean, I see numbers of people who are listening on each episode. I'm not sure how many of those people are new or if they're reoccurring or where they're at in the country. You know, if people DM me afterwards, I know that. But, you know, like, I don't really know if this podcast is really landing with people all the time or not. But what I do know is that these stories matter to me and I hope that they matter to other people as well. You know, independent thought for me has not just become like an outlet for me to share my thoughts on the world with everyone else, but it's also, you know, just been a place where I can connect with people who also would love to see some change, change of all fashions. I, well, one thing I didn't get a chance to mention in the first part of this episode was all of those episodes with the exception of the Should You Vote Blue in 2022, all those episodes had guests on them. And I've had so many great guests come on this podcast. I could have like several episodes talking about how great some of these people have been. Um, just people who genuinely give a shit, who, who all in their own ways are trying to do something about what's going on in the world. And we've had people come on talking about so many different types of topics, but you know, there's a lot of people out there that genuinely care and who want to do something, who are in their own special ways, trying to give back into their communities, who are trying to give back to our shared community at large, which is, which is this country. So I don't know what the impact of independent thought is or will be, but as long as I'm continuing to do this show, I want to keep talking about stories that matter and trying to shine a light on stories that aren't getting enough attention, or maybe let's talk about it from a different lens than it's being talked about in other places. So if that is resonating with you, you know, and you are liking what you're hearing with this podcast, please let me know, reach out. I always love knowing what's working for people and what isn't because it kind of helps guide me to pick better topics in the future. And so let me know, like reach out, DM me, Instagram or Twitter. Let me know, like, what do you want to see more of? What kind of topics do you want to see uh, on this podcast in the future? I'll also make a, a quick note to close out here that I am considering uh, adding a, maybe like a rotating or maybe like a, an occasional guest co-host for the show. I'm not really sure uh, who to reach out to for this. I've kind of been thinking about who might be a good candidate for something like this. But for those of you who are my reoccurring listeners, if you have any suggestions, please send them out to me because you know, I think this show, like going forward, you know, now that I've got through a hundred episodes, which is insane, but now that I've gotten through a hundred episodes, I really think the podcast would benefit from having another voice attached to it. I honestly, I foresee in the perfect scenario, I foresee having, you know, several voices attached to this in the future, but you know, one step at a time, I want to look for that second person first. And also for those out there who might be so inclined, I'm currently looking for someone to help me put together graphics for my Instagram and for just my other social medias and accounts in general. Uh, so if anyone out there is interested in helping make some graphics for independent thoughts, uh, DM me on Instagram, on Twitter. Let's, let's talk about it. So thank you to everyone out there who has been listening to this podcast, who is subscribed. I uh, want to thank all the members of my Patreon. If you are not currently a member of Patreon, uh, 
It is a way to support the podcast. Uh, you can donate to the podcast for around for as little as like $2 a month. So if you are interested in supporting the work that we do, there's a link in the episode description. I want to thank everyone who has been around for this entire journey. I'm not sure how many of you have been around since season one, or if you maybe you've just been around since the beginning of season three, that's still over a year. Uh, thank you so much for being here with me along this journey. Uh, hopefully doing this podcast all the time doesn't, you know, drive me into the ground and hopefully we'll be celebrating episode 200 not too long from now. So thank you all. We will see you in the next episode. Take care.